Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 168. Don't be afraid to try something just because you think it is hard. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and thank you for spending part of your day with me. If you're a first-time listener, why don't you go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you're listening in Apple Podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. And for those of you who have been around a while, my long-term listeners, I so appreciate you. Thank you for making time each week to listen to the show. If you have any comments for me, thoughts on who you'd like to hear on the show, topics you'd like to have discussed, or really anything, you can reach out to me at sue at giftbizunwrapped.com. Today, I have queued up a really important topic for you, and that is inventory. If you manage your inventory properly, it really can help strengthen your business. You're able to find extra money to invest and just keep all the dollars moving as you're growing your business versus having them locked up in inventory that's sitting on the shelf for months or heaven forbid, should I say years. Lane Booth is here to talk with us about this today. And without further ado, let's just go ahead and dive in. Lane's business, The Project Booth, focuses on the inventory and ordering mayhem that becomes a struggle for many product-based businesses. Lane grew up as a math nerd, so fun that you use that term, Lane, (laughs) graduated colleges with two engineering degrees and went straight into manufacturing. She spent over a decade in the supply chain world, but as her family started to grow, she was ready for more flexibility. She started the Project Booth to help businesses confidently plan their sales, their inventory, and maximize their bottom line. Lane makes the numbers in your business, air quotes, show you the money. When not nerding out with numbers, you can find Lane enjoying time with her family at the playground or catching the latest superhero movie with her husband. Lane, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thank you so much, Sue. Pleasure to be here. When I found out what you do in your business, I was like, oh my gosh, so perfect for our audience because this is a topic we've never talked about before. So I cannot wait to get into it. But before we do, I like to start off every show by having you describe yourself in a little bit of a different way. And that is through a motivational candle. So if you were to share with me what your ideal candle would look like in color and quote, what would that be? I love this question, Sue. Such a good one. Since I love clean, crisp, elegance, I'm going to go with a bright white for the color. And the quote is actually going to come from my mom. It's something she told me when I was a teenager that really stuck. And if you think back to your teenage years, what your mom said to you a lot of times probably didn't sink all the way through, but this one did. And she told me, don't be afraid to try something just because you think it is hard. And that is something that has impacted so much of my, everything from college choice to my career and now my business. So don't be afraid to try something just because you think it will be hard. 
Right. Because, I mean, the thing about hard, too, is a lot of people won't try because it's hard. So if you do, you are way ahead of everybody else. Absolutely. And it's rang true. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. So does your mom know that this is a quote that you use? I mean, have you circled back and does she know this? I didn't really bring it up until about a couple years ago, and we had kind of a teary-eyed moment. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> but yeah, just something that has really impacted a lot of decisions in my life. So she knows, and she's very pleased and happy to know that that's impacted my life. And now you're sharing it with like tons of people, too. So that's exciting. She has to know that, too, now. I know. I have to make sure she listens to the podcast. <laughs> exactly. So let's talk about how you identified and started the project booth, how you identified the need that this existed, having to understand inventory, and then how it circled into the project booth. Sure. So my supply chain career has been focused quite a bit on inventory and what we would call sales forecasting. So how is that all going to tie together? Because if you think about corporations, they're all about the bottom line. My career had spent so much time, projects and efforts to really maximize the right amount of inventory to get the right amount of profit at the end of the day. And I just had a thought that this might be really beneficial for smaller businesses. So started doing a little bit of market research, started talking to some small business owners and asked them about what does your ordering process look like? How do you figure out how much inventory to have? And I was getting a lot of dead air on the other side. (laughs) Yeah, it's like guessing, right? I mean, really, that's what most people do. It is. And you got to start somewhere. So guessing that was a start for some of these folks. But when I talked about the benefits of that and how that could reduce some of the chaos and the confusion, it really started to identify that, yes, this was a need in this small business, medium-sized business world. So what were your first steps? How did you, so you identified the need, you understood that there were potentially customers out there with knowledge you had that could help them. How did you develop? What were the first things you did to start the project booth? I started with a couple of folks that agreed to be my guinea pig. (laughs) Which is a great way to start, right? Just to start getting a little bit of traction going with your business. Yeah. So I connected really with some great ladies in the candle business and some in the consumables and said, hey, you know, I think this tool could be really helpful for you. In the candle business, you've got to figure out how much wax do I need? How much fragrance oil do I need in each candle? And if that's all happening, how much do I need to order? And at what point in time? Because you've got to work with lead times and all that sort of fun stuff and deliveries. So she walked me through her process and I said, okay, great. I have an understanding of what's working well and what's not. Let me pull together a tool that I think could be really helpful for you. And so it started out as a pretty simple inventory ordering template. And we figured out how much wax and scented fragrance she needed because she does a lot of events. So a lot of farmers markets and traveling for other events and things like that. So she could all at once put in how much she thought she was going to sell of each fragrance and then flip that around to see, all right, I need to order this much wax, this much oil, this many wicks and everything else, jars, to be able to support that event that's coming up in four weeks. All right. So first, I just have to say as an aside, you totally sparked my interest and excitement because you're talking candles, (laughs) one of my favorite (laughs) things. (laughs) Interesting that 
you kind of walked the path with her to see what she was already doing, and then you saw areas of development. I think that's the way you approach all your clients, right? You see where, like, get a baseline and then figure out from there how you can enhance the business and get the supply management going well, right? Absolutely. That was definitely the start. And now that I've been helping several clients along the way, I'm starting to see a lot of similarities. So while pieces of the process do tweak a little bit based on their product, a lot of the core baseline is the same. So now we have a very streamlined approach as to, all right, here's what I need to look for. These are the major callouts I've seen in other clients. And then what are those custom pieces that we do need to tailor specifically for their business? And so it models all of that together. Perfect. Can you share with us some of the common challenges that you're seeing? Because I'm guessing a lot of our listeners are going to be able to say, yep, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I'll say the one that hits home the most is probably cash flow, because here you are trying to get your product out to the market and you're not sure how much to order. And you also have limited funds typically. I mean, you can't just order three years worth of inventory and sit for a while. So cash flow is a big one on how much have you already spent? How much inventory is sitting on your shelves? That's cash that's already spent. And then how much do you think you're going to need to service your customers well over the course of the next few months? So cash flow really ties straight back into inventory. I'm guessing the goal here would be you don't want to buy more than you really need for a certain amount of time. Then you continually cycle and replenish, right? And that, and that replenishment gets to be more and more as your business grows. Absolutely. So one of the other top challenges we see is how much to anticipate for your future sales, because that is going to dictate how much inventory you need to buy. So you're not necessarily buying for tomorrow. You're buying for a few months from now, sometimes depending on where your product's coming from. If you have to order from Asia, then it's going to be several months. If you're making it yourself, then you've got the limitations on you know how much time you can dedicate to being able to produce enough product for what's coming up. So being able to pull that together is definitely an area I saw as a top challenge. And I bet that's different for everybody. I mean, I'm thinking of myself over here with one of my businesses, the Ribbon Print Company. I do make my own brand of ribbon and it does come from Asia. And not only is there the time to produce it, but then the time to get it over, it could get stuck in customs for a while, like all of that stuff you have to kind of figure out, right? Plus minimum order quantities, that you have too. Yes, you may only want 100, but the minimum order is 1,000. So now what do you do? (laughs) Right. Or as you order more, your cost can also go down. So those are all different things I think are very customized based on each of your individual clients. Absolutely. Interesting. Okay, can you give us another? So we've talked about cash flow. We've talked about anticipated sales. Wait, I do have another question with the anticipated sales. When somebody, like you were just talking about your client who had events, so when you have events lined up, then obviously you're going to be selling more. So I'm thinking you flex everything based on what the plans are in the future and the growth of the company based on events you're going to, I guess, just general overall trends, et cetera. Absolutely. That has been a challenge, especially for that person that I worked with early on, because she has not only an online business, but she also has the event business. She still has a couple products on Etsy. So she's got several platforms that are continuous and you can have orders coming in all the time. But then that event could be several thousand dollars in a weekend and you want to maximize as much as you can through that event. 
So we had to look at not only the event piece, but also, all right, we've got to remember that you can have orders coming in every day on your website and Etsy. How do we manage for them as well? And so that has been kind of a blended approach. So you also don't want to carry too much inventory at a time, especially candles. I mean, you can have so many fragrances. We did tailor those down a little bit. So that helped her with reducing her inventory or to at least have different fragrances available at different seasons. So you don't need every fragrance available 12 months out of the year. You can have your spring, you can have your summer, you can have your fall, winter. And by eliminating some of those options, that allowed her to really focus on, all right, I'm going to make these 10 for this season. And so when she's doing her event prep, she can also go ahead and prep for, all right, the next two weeks, I think I'm going to have this many in daffodil. (laughs) I'm making up a fragrance here that could be ordered from the website or Etsy over that time period. So she started being able to batch process things together based on what was coming up in her business. I'm so glad you bring up this topic because I've talked a lot in the past about limiting the number of offers you have, whether it's flavors or scents or whatever, because it can become overwhelming to somebody. Even let's take it a craft show since we're talking events. People will come up and if there are too many options, sometimes people get overwhelmed and they walk away. You would naturally think, well, if I have more offers, more options, then there's going to be something for everybody and people are more likely to buy. And actually, that's not true. When you whittle it back, it's easier for people to make decisions and to purchase. That's been proven over and over again. But I never thought about it really in terms of inventory control and purchasing of the materials that you need to create your product. So this is a really important point. What did your client see after you instituted this procedure? Well, she was able to minimize how much inventory she was keeping. I mean, she's working out of her home still. So the closet can only hold so many candles. (laughs) Right. Although I could help her out with that, FYI. (laughs) I'll let her know. Okay. And then the other piece was, it's either that she houses a little bit of inventory in her closet, or she's got to stay up late one night and actually make the candle to the order that day and make sure it ships out in the two to three day window that she's promised the customer, which got really frustrating. She had a really good example in time of she stocks a lot of this one cent and she has a standard eight ounce candle. Well, someone on Etsy wanted a four ounce of a very minimal quantity that she would typically have for another candle. So she had to stay up late and make this little tiny four ounce candle and ship it to the customer. And so stuff like that started to go away once we trimmed down how many fragrances she was offering at that time. And so she could not only... I mean, she still might have to make a fresh batch when something goes out, but she knows she can make eight at a time and those will sell over the course of the next few weeks. She doesn't have to make these very small batches and then almost waste her time making just a single four ounce candle. I think so many of our listeners are sitting there like, yep, I have no (laughs) life because this is what I do. I think with your story, she gained back the freedom to not have those last minute issues all the time. Because what if something does come in and you had a big family event, you're going away for the weekend? How would you possibly juggle things like that? So I think your service actually brings back some balance into your whole life too, especially if you're still producing yourself out of your home. So was she calling you saying, thank you, thank you, thank you? (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) Yes, she's been wonderful. Like I said, she was one of my guinea pigs. So we've done a lot of trials through her and found out what works for her and then tried to see if we could spread that across some other industries as well. Got it. So we've been talking about the challenges with inventory. So we've talked cash flow. We've talked about anticipated sales. Is there now another one that you could share with us? I would say focus on your lead times. And for people that aren't necessarily familiar with that, that is how long it takes you from knowing what you want to make to when it is shippable from your either your home or your if you have a distribution center or warehouse. You want to know how long it takes that product to be created and shippable. And there's two versions. You could have that internal. So that's how long you actually take to create the product. So if you are, stay with candles. If it takes you several hours to produce a candle and then it actually takes several more hours for it to dry and cure, then you may have a 24-hour lead time for that candle. So you need to know that at any point in time, if you get orders, you've got to have at least 24 hours to be able to get that out. The other piece of the lead time that I find folks often forget about is how long it takes their supplies to get to them. So if you are ordering from Asia and it's a four month process from the time you place your order until it arrives at your doorstep, pending minimal issues with customs or damage on the boat, things like that that do come up but should be more rare, You do need to think about how long it takes you to get your supplies because I'll find that folks try to order or they'll expedite at the very last minute and then they're upset because it's another three days late. Well, three days late in the world of supplies actually is not (laughs) too uncommon. So you need to be able to have that lead time and then a little bit of buffer as well so that you can continue to support your business and there's no stop starts because you're waiting on your supplies to come in to create your product. Two things about this that I think are important. One is that word expedite totally freaks me out because that possibly means more cost to get your product to you. An additional cost probably wasn't included in the pricing of your product to start, which means your margins are going to decrease. Absolutely. That goes back and circles back to cash flow. I'm thinking all that you're talking about here, Lane, all circles back to the same thing. They're all integrated to have the best result you can. Right. And what you mentioned actually brought up another thought um, experience I had with another client who is in the book publishing business. Before we hear about Lane's book publishing client, a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is made possible thanks to the support of the Ribbon Print Company. Create custom ribbons right in your store or craft studio in seconds. Visit theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. She had someone in the States that was printing her books, but she was also starting to look at someone in Asia who had much better pricing. So not to jump from one and go to the other, but we had a time period where we were testing both and we wanted to make sure that they could meet their expectations. If they said they were going to be here in 12 weeks, that they were here in 12 weeks, that the quality was the same, that we didn't have to expedite orders There weren't any other hidden shipping costs because it might be one thing to produce, seem like it's half price to produce in Asia, but then you also have to think about, well, the extra shipping charges that would incur. So we had this testing period and then found that Asia actually produced higher quality for the type of book that she had, and they were able to deliver on time. And she actually had tremendous cost savings from being able to move her products and being able to print overseas. 
So that was one area where she was able to dramatically reduce her cost of her goods. And as you are doing that, that allows different opportunities. So you think about kind of the back end cost savings, but now you have funds to put on the front end. Now you have funds for marketing and advertising because you've been able to save in that area. Now you can increase your spending in other areas, which should just continue that cycle of more exposure and more sales. Yeah, driving sales for sure. So it's an entire balancing act, right? I'm thinking of the old-fashioned weight pendulums where there's one side and another. That's exactly what you're talking about here. And the issue, too, is sales fulfillment, because if you don't have the product when an order comes in, it's not going to take too long for that customer never to come back to you. So you've got to have it available if you're promoting it as well. The other thing I was going to say about Asia, I don't want to scare people off because I also have other products coming. We source as much American as we can, but I have other products that come from Asia and I get them in like two days. Sometimes I get them faster than in the States. It really all depends on what your product is, where your factory is, or who you're working with in terms of receipt. So don't be scared away from this conversation in terms of dealing with it because clearly that client you're talking about with the books, that was a perfect solution for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, truthfully, the expertise may sometimes be moving from U.S. to overseas. So it really depends on the manufacturer, just like it depends on the manufacturer here. Some are going to be more tighter on their processes and better on quality. And you'll find the same overseas. So you just got to find the right person, right manufacturer to work with. Right. Okay, wonderful. So we've covered cash flow anticipated sales so that you're ready for them, both in creating and being able to have the product ready in inventory. We've talked about lead times, both in pricing for production time and then also supplies. And then we've talked a little bit about management too. If someone is way before all of that, okay, because this is all talking about someone who has a product, they're out to market already. What advice would you give somebody who's just starting So they're just now starting to make their product, bring it out to shows so that they're at a perfect place where they can do it right from the start instead of backfilling better systems. Is there any guidance you have for someone who's just starting out, what they should put in place or what they should be looking at at different points along the way for a startup? Absolutely, yes. I feel like startups tend to focus on how much should I bring to the event or how much should I make? And you really need to take it just one step backwards and say, how much do I think I can sell? Not how much to bring, but how much do you think you can sell first? And that is going to come from a lot of times conversations. A lot of times, if you're going to an event that has baked goods, you could talk to someone else that is, sometimes they might be competitive or not, but you probably will find someone that is not a competitor to you there that has been to that event in the past. Ask them what they sell talk to people that have been to that event in the past, that is a great starting point for you. And then you can use that and you might want to go, all right, maybe another 10 or 20% heavier, just because when you're starting out, like you said before, so you don't want to miss out on that sales fulfillment. So you want to have a little bit over what you need, but not 10 times what you need going into that event. And so being able to estimate what your sales will be and then go just a little bit over that to be able to maximize your sales at that event. That's great. I love, love, love that advice. And then I think also just some type of a method to 
take information from someone if it does happen that you run out of product. Maybe there is a scent. We're sticking with the candles here because mm-hmm. it's my favorite. But <laughs> let's say those daffodil candles that you were referencing earlier, you just happen to run out. I would think, you tell me if you think differently, but I would think just having a system to say, oh gosh, they were so popular. I wasn't anticipating that. However, I can get you one in two or three days. What's your address? And even take the order right there and then turn it around for them super quick. But to have that plan in place instead of just losing the sale, I guess I'd say. Absolutely. I've seen that happen kind of in two different ways. I've seen just a simple sheet of paper. Hey, you like this candle? I'd be happy to get back with you when I get back home and just write down your name and your address or name and number and what you were looking for. What size did you want? What fragrance? And then some folks will actually have, like the lady I mentioned, has a website. So bring your iPad, let them order the candle right there on the spot. They can enter it in the website on the iPad, and then you've got that order ready to run with as soon as you get back from the event. So smart, Lane. I agree. Take the order right then and there. And the trick is having the plan, having the answer right there so you're not fumbling and not knowing what to do. You have the plan. Okay, perishable products, probably the most challenging of all. And we've talked about this a little bit already, but not in this way. Any advice for that? Because ingredients with that, or if you actually make your cookies or your cupcakes and you bring them to the event and you don't sell them, that is lost money. So what do you do? Right. So unless you're planning on having a big party afterwards (laughs) with all of your cupcakes. Well, well, there's an idea. (laughs) (laughs) It's always a win there, right? Right. That's one where do you have another outlet that this product can go to? So maybe you are selling at a local bakery, but then you also have this event coming up. Trying to have multiple streams of where your product can go will be very helpful as well. So you're not locked into just this one event. Oh, I didn't sell all of my mini breads or all of my cupcakes. Is there somewhere else that they can go? But it really, even better than that, it comes back to what are your anticipated sales, back to that sales forecast. What have other people done? How much do you have? And then also being able to move it into other streams, other accounts afterwards would be incredibly helpful. And then the last piece on that, though, is this is assuming that you are a brand new startup. You've never done this before, but now you know. Now you've been to this event. Now you know how much you sold. Now you know where the prime location is. Next time when you come back, you'll not only have your numbers, you'll have the experience and you'll have the knowledge of how to position yourself differently next time. So one thing I highly encourage to all of the startups is to record your sales, where you were, and record any just commentary notes of how the event was run and what you would like to do differently. Do you want to come back again next year? Keep up with that because your numbers are going to be more impactful than anybody else's numbers down the road. Sue's cupcakes may be very different from Lane's cupcakes. And so being able to track your specific numbers going forward is going to be the most impactful thing you can do for planning your business going forward. Yeah. And show to show can be different too. Some shows will perform better than others. And when you start doing more and more shows, you kind of forget. So tracking it right away after the event is really important. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes. Wonderful. Okay. Any other thoughts for a startup? Are you think we're good here? The other piece would be, be careful not to order too much. (laughs) I did have a client one time. She got a great discount if she ordered or she prepped a thousand jars of her product from the co-packer. 
But when she looked at her expiration dates, how long it could sit on the shelf, it really did not make sense to get that premium price. You can save a few cents per jar, but it didn't make sense to order that much as a startup in her business. It made sense to cut that in about half. And all right, let's move through the next six months within that shelf life, see what it does. And then maybe we can warrant a larger, better priced order in the future. So be careful not to order too much and maybe not always accept the first answer you get from a manufacturer. I've seen too where, oh, well, I've got to order this, this, and this, but this one piece I have to order 2,000 at a time. I would be leery of that. Let's see if there's another manufacturer that can offer you a small batch quantity. Can they give you 200 at a time instead of 2,000 at a time? Can you find other people in the industry that are utilizing that product and say, hey, can I go in with you on your next order? You know, then you can split the cost. So good. Yeah. Yeah. And then don't want you to feel like you're locked into that first answer. Kind of don't take that first answer if it's not the one that you want. Look and see if there's other options. Yeah. I think the other thing that a lot of people will do is they'll be certain, absolutely positive that there's a certain scent or a certain flavor that's going to be a hit. So they'll order a lot of that and then find that they're the only ones who really like it. (laughs) So (laughs) it's not even moving. So I think what you're saying here is so valuable in that even if it's going to mean you make less money initially because you're testing your market, you're seeing what they like, and so you're buying in smaller quantities, which means it costs a little more, in the long run, you'll be better off. Yeah, absolutely seen that where folks have ordered too much and they're, now they're sitting on three years worth of inventory and now they can't pivot in the market because they're sitting on so much of what they've already bought. And that's another risk that you would be up against if you bought too much at the beginning. Yeah, that goes for packaging too, how you're wrapping, how you're branding your product, labels, the whole thing. Just buy small first, make sure you like what it's doing, make sure it's working well for you so you're not stuck with inventory. Love that you brought that up. (laughs) So as you've been talking, and this was way back in the beginning of our conversation, you were referencing, I think, that you built in a tool or something that you use now? Yes. So now I have a tool that's built to where we will look at, really, it comes down to how much to order. That's kind of what it's spitting out at the end, if you think of kind of a box with all the bells and whistles and what comes out of the end. So it helps with what to order, how much, and when. But the pieces that have to feed into that, we are looking at, all right, what is that sales forecast? What did you do last year? Are you going to do better or worse than that this year? Is it going to be different by product? So we have these conversations, uh, me and the client, to say, all right, where are you heading? And a lot of times that comes into what the marketing plan is as well. So we'll pull together the sales forecast, then we'll look at your inventory, what are your costs, and then also the lead time. So based on everything you've got going into the business, how long is it going to take for the product to get there? And then that makes a clear decision at the end as to you could order this much and be covered for three months, or you could order this much and be covered for the next six weeks. What are the risks and opportunities for ordering the higher versus the lower? And we just have those conversations to see what is the best option for the business at that point in time. That's fabulous. Oh my gosh, so great. And that all is encompassed within the project booth and your whole consulting environment, right? Correct. That's what you use, which I love this example because it's something that you've created, which is totally yours. Like no one else can go out and get your tool, right? They have to be working with you. 
That's right. (laughs) Right? It's wonderful. That's absolutely fabulous. So are there any other, I'm thinking now, I'm just going over now into just the business environment. Are there any tools that you use or anything to keep yourself organized? Because now you have a ton of clients. You've got the whole consulting business up and running strong. What do you use to stay focused and in control of your days? Well, I am a big calendar nerd, so I love time blocking and making sure that I can execute what I said I could by the end of the week. So I have certain days where I allow myself, these certain days are for clients, client conversations, phone calls. These days are for client work. I think you use schedule once, but I use Acuity calendar scheduling so that when clients or folks that are interested in touching base for initial consult, I can quickly give them the link and it ties right back to my Google calendar and it only books for certain hours out of the day. Hours that you've decided already based on your perfect week are times when you would take calls. Exactly. (laughs) That's perfect. Wonderful. And Gift Biz listeners, I'll put a link to Acuity in the show notes so you see what that's all about. And tell us a little bit about your initial coaching calls in case someone is interested here. Yeah, so we keep it very clean and easy. It's usually a 30-minute call that people can book straight off my website. And we talk about where your business is today, what type of product you have, and where you want to be in the next 12 months. So we're going to figure out a couple key things from those questions. And then what I also ask, what type of tools are you using currently? So are you using QuickBooks for your inventory or do you have accounting professional helping you with your P&L? So we get a couple details ironed out just from that questionnaire and then go through them in that phone call to see where you are rocking it in your business and where you see some opportunity and would like to get things more clear and confident so you can feel like you're actually running your business like a CEO and it's not running you. Perfect. So if you were to give one overall big arching piece of advice based on all those coaching calls that you've done already, what would that be? That's a good question. Biggest nugget. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Let's see. You know, it's probably going to come back down to the cash flow because if you don't manage that properly, you're going to be out of business. <laughs> right. Because everything that I work towards on the back end of your business is really geared towards maximizing your bottom line. And so we're going to make sure you've got your cost in line and your revenues planned out to where you at least have a plan to be successful. Yes, you might have to dodge some things here and there or you might get some great perks along the way. But you need to have a roadmap to get there. And that cash flow is going to dictate what that roadmap looks like. Perfect. So, Lane, at this point, I want to ask you my dare to dream question. Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'd like to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. This is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside your box? Such a great question, Sue. So my dream, if I were to open up this box, would show that I have an agency of folks that are on my team to where I can service many more clients that are in that range from startups to scale-ups to multi-six or seven-figure businesses so that they can have that outsourced expertise from years and years of experience in the industry, but they can outsource it to an expert. So I would love to have an agency set up to where we can handle a broad range of clients 
in addition to, I want to be able to create a new software that is specifically geared towards small and medium-sized businesses. Because right now, the great forecasting tools, the great inventory tools are multi-million dollars <laughs> and really not something that is going to be well geared towards small, medium-sized businesses. So I want to have not only the software, but the personal support needed to help move these businesses in the right direction. I'm so excited about that idea because this whole concept, I don't think people really think about. And to have something that could be a little bit more off the shelf versus having to enter into a consulting type thing for you, I think would be fabulous. And for people who need the product would also be great. So love that. I am all in on that idea for you because <laughs> we you. all need it. <laughs> so how can our listeners find out more about you? Where would you direct them? I'd say the easiest place to find me is just on my website. It's theprojectbooth.com. And from there, you can read a little bit more about me, or you could also find the link to my Facebook page. And I also do have a Facebook group, Back in Brilliance, to scale your growing business. And that is where I spend most of my active time throughout the week in providing additional tips, some similar or maybe a deeper dive to what we've gone over today. So that's a great place to learn more. Wonderful. And that's a free group to go into. It is. Okay. You also, I think, because I was just looking before we got on, you have some type of a download also on your website. I do. Yep. What's that? It is five profit mistakes to avoid when growing your business. And so this will hit on some of the topics we talked about today, but also go into a deeper dive. And if that resonates with you, then that's a great segue into hopping on a phone call and starting an initial consult to see if we can help you fast track your journey. Oh, perfect. Wonderful. Yeah. So download, read it, and then see if you need further information or you feel like you want to take the next step. Absolutely. Wonderful. Lane, I am so, so glad we had this interview. I think, like I said in the beginning, this is a topic we haven't really addressed. And I think it is a key to being able to stay open with your business. We've talked a little bit about if you do some of these touch points wrong, you're going to be putting your money in places that aren't going to allow you to build or grow. So important. Thank you so, so much for being on the show today, sharing your expertise with us, giving some hints into some of the consulting that you do with your clients. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much, Sue. I appreciate your time as well. Are you discouraged because your business is not performing as you had envisioned? Are you stuck and confused about how to turn things around? Sue's new best-selling book is structured to help you identify where the holes are in your business and show you exactly how to fix them. You'll learn from Sue and owners just like you who are seeing real growth and are living their dream. Maker to master. Find and fix what's not working in your small business. Get it on Amazon or through www.giftbizunwrapped.com master.